Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. So the average annual turnover in sales is 25 to 30%. That is the equivalent of hiring and training the entire sales organization every three to four years. Scary thought. So how do you know if you're hiring a good salesperson? It's why you look for evidence of success and what is transferable to your organization. Today, we're going to really help you sniff out the correct information to hire the right talent. Today's quote, there are worse things in life than death. Have you ever spent an evening with an insurance salesman? (laughs) Any idea who said that? (laughs) Anthony Camacho? No, Woody Allen. Woody Allen said that. You got it. (laughs) Spot on. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and startup executives to avoid costly hiring mistakes. We identify a specific problem and provide proven tactical solutions to solve your company's most difficult hiring challenges. We do this by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Anthony Camacho. Anthony is the founder and CEO of Top Producer Factory. Anthony is a sales and performance mentor to everyday entrepreneurs as well as Fortune 500 companies. He's a former Dale Carnegie coach and a certified sales coach through the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. He delivers excellence to corporate clients, executives, and small business rock stars. We need a little guitar solo. A little, little air guitar. Absolutely. Anthony's presented to over... Uh, there we go. There oh, we go. God. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, Anthony's presented to more than 500 live events, including TEDx style talks, workshops, seminars, expos, and industry-specific conferences. He's based in uh, Southern California, and he's the father of four girls and is a yogi, so I might be yelling downward dog or tree pose during this whole thing <laughs> just to mess with him. Anthony, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Oh, thank you very much, Rick. I'm very happy to be here and um, just great energy. Looking forward to having a good time and give your listeners just a ton of uh, golden nuggets, some great takeaways that they can incorporate in their business, with their sales teams and with their salespeople. You know, lucky for you, this is a podcast and people can't see because I was going to make you do a tree pose, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold off. <laughs> so today we're going to cover a few things. We're going we're to learn how to identify great salespeople. We're going to sniff out the frauds. And we're going to tell you what to do in the interview process. So uh, let's delve right in. How do we identify great salespeople, Anthony? Let's let's start out with you giving me your two cents on that. The biggest thing, how do you can spot a great salesperson is when they come to that interview process, if they have a big why, you know, why do they want to be successful? Um, and they have some personal and professional need. You okay. Know. So let's dig down the why a little bit, because that's always an interesting thing. So, because we don't often look for the why, we just look to solve our own problem, hire somebody, and just get a body in the seat. Absolutely. So what kind of why should people be looking for? The why should be uh, advancement. You know, when you, when a salesperson is going into their, you know, their interview, one of the things they should be looking at is what, what's the room for growth? What's the room for advancement? Um, a good indicator that they're a hungry, tenacious salesperson is that they want to know about their pay plan, they want to know about the commission structure, and they want to know if there's any room for advancement. They don't just want to be the average guy sitting in the, doing the average you know, amount of work, and they, they, want, they want growth. 
Let's be honest, though. Most people go into sales, I think, because one, they don't know what else to do, <laughs> right? And two, you can earn commission. You can make money that way, right? And it's usually right. people who, at least for me, I went into a sales-oriented role with recruiting. I was 100% commission only. And for me, I was just tired of being a starving artist. <laughs> like, I was tired of renting a room for my dad and, you know, just living in the basement. Well, yeah. So you had a why. You, you, you I had like, a why. Get out of your father's basement. <laughs> well, yeah. And I just didn't want that lifestyle. That's what motivated me. And I think I went into sales because I knew I could make a lot of money. Right. And that's usually the main motivator of why people go into sales. Exactly. But once you get into sales and you find out you get good at it or you get competent and then you got to keep searching for that thing that kind of keeps you going. Right. So the why is different for everybody. Correct. Why is the why important when you're looking for somebody? Well, the why is important uh, specifically to the sales manager or whoever's doing the hiring because they need to be able to figure out how they can sell the objective, right? Okay. So a good sales salesman will get promoted to management. And sometimes, which is, sometimes yeah, by PowerPoint, <laughs> which is death by PowerPoint. <laughs> but sometimes it's like a lot of sales uh, guys that get promoted to management. They don't really have any leadership tools. You know, they kind of don't. You know, they, they don't know how to lead or to coach people. But what I've kind of when I've worked with my clients, and especially sales leaders, I kind of give them a little bit of a mind shift and say, "You were amazing. You were a badass in sales. That's why you got promoted." So now, what you have to do is find the needs and wants of your sales team find the pains and gains of the sales team, and then align that with the company objective, what the benchmark is, what the quotas are. So that's the um, super imperative to understand that whoever they're interviewing, that they know their why, because that's how they're going to sell them, get them from point A to point B, sell the objective. You can't sell a customer unless you know their wants and needs, correct? Or else you're just shooting at the dark. So yeah. in, the, in, the, in the hiring process, you may just be throwing up everything against the wall and seeing what's going to stick. <laughs> Well, if you think about the hiring process, it's a sales process too. It, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you really need to understand your customer, which is the person who's looking for the job before you offer them the job. Correct. I think that can cut down the, the high turnover rate immensely if you're just making sure that you're in alignment with that why. Absolutely. It's absolutely imperative. If you don't, if the sales manager, sales leader, or the person who's hiring is not able to solidify what the why is, then it's going to be really hard, hard time to motivate that person, whoever they're going to hire. Okay. So how do we interview people? Because I know a lot of sales organizations that go, okay, what are your numbers? Okay. Um, do you like pizza? I like pizza. So um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we just hire you and give you a shot? Right. Like it seems to me there's that much thought gone into most sales hiring processes. Right. Except for when you get up to like the enterprise level, then then there's usually a, a lot more process put in place. But where it's most imperative is like when you're hiring people to work at your car dealership or when you're hiring people to do sales for your small business that you're selling widgets. Right? Yeah, insurance agency. or Yeah, insurance. Right. <laughs> That's why I use the insurance quotes, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I love that Woody Allen quote. So how do we interview? We need to put a structured interview process in place. Not all organizations do their hiring the same, but a good strong indicator that hiring isn't being done correctly is by the turnover. So if you have a huge turnover in your sales department, then that's a pretty big indicator. Oh, yeah. That you need to spend a little bit more time. You know, it's totally. different all across the board, right? Let's just be fair. Different organizations are going to have a, high, a different turnover rate. But 
if uh, you're one of those, you know, like I say in the Cinderella uh, movie, if the shoe fits, wear it. If one of those uh, organizations that's like, oh, dang, I got like a huge turnover rate, then I believe that uh, we need to spend a lot more time in the hiring process. Absolutely. So as we bring people in, we're going to tackle the mentality and change that. What should we be looking for the process itself? Well, the, the process itself, I believe that we really need to set the tone in the bar of come to the place of business to interview. Don't interview the person at Starbucks, you know, at the, the Denny's coffee <laughs> shop. Not that those places are bad, but if you're trying to create this super team or this, this uh, position, if you want this position to hold some value, Present it as such. Set the time, set the tonality, set the ambiance. You know, um, the interviewer, you know, needs to look on par as well. The, the office or meeting space needs to be clean and look appropriate. Set the time, set the duration. That's just like the cosmetics of it, but then there's all the the pieces in between. But one of the things that I find is that a lot of times managers might take a narrow view or they might be complacent in this whole process because right. they've had so much turnover. Right. So having an unrealistic high bar, I only like to recruit rock stars <laughs> right. or the status quo manager, right? The person, oh, this is the way we've always done it, right? which, you know, is open for disruption. So the unrealistic bar, as a manager, you need to get yourself in the right mentality of who you are, who your company is and what it can attract. Right. You're not going to be able to attract A players if you've got a budget that is far below what's going to attract somebody. So compensation is For most salespeople, good. yeah. Yeah. And I argue against that for most other positions, but I've found that uh, that's usually the first question that comes out of a salesperson's mouth when I talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we're like hired mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> the highest bidder wins. You know? So what is the reason why bad hires are made? I think bad hires are made because the uh, the interview process isn't thought out. And and to be quite honest, I, I mean, if, it's probably not the funnest thing to, to do. Like, you know, if you're a sales manager and you're out there trying to run a team and you're, you know, trying to hit your monthly quota, you know, it's kind of like, ah, I got to take time out of my day now to go and, you know, interview these people, you know, oh, yeah. and so it might not be the funnest thing for them. So they might not be all enthusiastic about it, about doing the hire. Well, a lot of times sales managers also too are responsible for production as well. Exactly. So it's like they have to stop. They have to they like have to stop their jobs. busy day. Yeah, they have to stop their busy day. Um, they have their own assignments that they have to do, their own quotas and, and and benchmarks they have to hit, and then they're responsible for their team's sales process and their team sales performance, and then they kind of have to step out of that and do the hiring. I personally think I would enjoy that because I'd be excited because as a sales manager, you know that you get paid off the production of your team. So I'd be super stoked about But that's a hard hiring. switch for somebody who is a high performer that got promoted to being a manager and now they're kind of learning all this new stuff and you're still trying to turn off that mindset of I got to be the highest producer. But at right. least that was for me. I was a top producer and then I got promoted to manager and what was interesting was I failed miserably <laughs> at being a manager. I had no training. My training was just lead. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but, but the training wasn't there. Right. If you want your managers, your high performance to burn out and fail, then don't invest in training in them. Right. When I got promoted you know, through the ranks, uh, so to speak, it was because I was a great sales professional. I was a great top performer. So the company you know, moved me into management but essentially, I had to figure out on my own, like, okay, I need to duplicate myself. And how do I do that? And I actually had to go outside of my company, which I believe that a, a company should provide uh, leadership training for you. 
uh, especially around sales management. You totally should be agree. getting some sales management training so that you can be more efficient at leading and coaching people. There's two different things in, in you know, being a sales manager or overseeing a company. There, one thing is the, um, you know, the admin, the paperwork and the efficiencies. And then there's the, how to, how to work with people, how to connect with people. It's kind of like the sales guy that he knows how to close and how to handle objections, but yet, you know, he doesn't create long-term business because, his customers end up don't liking them, you know, so transactional, they're they're transactional, exactly. Instead of long-term. So that's a kind of the same thing when you have to invest in your sales managers and teach them either hire someone to come in or create a curriculum within your organization of what the status quo is for being a successful sales manager and what to look for when you're hiring. See, I did the same thing as you. I went outside of my company and got training. Yeah. And actually I got shit for it, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even ask him to pay. I just told him, I said, look, this is what I'm going to do because I want to be the best sales manager that you guys ever have ever had. All right. So I'm going to put this on the C level for actually setting us up for failure. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. You're listening to Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard. Higher Power. I know. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, book me to come speak at your next corporate event. You can find out how at rickgerard.com. Our guest today is Anthony Camacho. He's the founder and CEO of Top Producer Factory, and we're talking about how to hire great salespeople. We kind of delved into the interview process itself, but what do you look for when you're hiring a salesperson? What's important to you? Well, that that big why, but the other thing is... um, Other than the why. Other than the why, right? That's huge. I mean, we can't forget that that is... Absolutely imperative. Simon Sinek, start with why? The, the, yeah, the big why, right? Yeah. <laughs> Apple, we don't just sell computers. <laughs> if you saw his TED talk on it, I think it was pretty pretty neat. But um, what's imperative for me is that the salesperson has done some door-to-door. If a salesperson has done some door-to-door sales and they're able to like live through that and experience that, that means that they got some thick that's skin. That's like the hardest type of sales yeah. you could possibly And that's do. what I used to I do. would argue that, that recruiting is actually up there with door-to-door sales because you're actually <laughs> selling a product that can say no. So you've got to sell both ends. Right. But door-to-door, that's just brutal. you got to be on your feet all day. Yeah. What'd you sell? So I used to work for the Catholic Mortuary Service selling funeral plots door-to-door. So I got, dude, it was the most amazing yet horrific sales job I've ever had in my entire life. But it was door-to-door. What was your pitch? Um, You're going to die. Yeah, basically. (laughs) It's like, hey, uh, have you ever thought about the afterlife? Uh, Have you ever thought about dying? I mean, it was just, I got door slammed in my face. I got, you know, go get a real job. I got go back to school because I was like, like 17, 18 years old when I was doing this. Wow. But I, I loved it because I learned about rejection and it didn't bother me. You learn how to smile, learn how to like brush it off. And I just couldn't wait to get to the next house and get to the next house. So if, if a person has done door to door sales, then I know that they, they're tough. Right. And then the other thing is, if a person has done some manual labor, I know that might sound horrific, but like if they've done uh, some manual labor like construction or done something where they've, they've had to sweat, because then that they'll be able to appreciate a sales position. Because sales is a comfy office. Yeah, comfy the, office. Yeah. So they got to make some phone calls. I mean, what's, what's worse, you know? Um, you know, digging a ditch with a shovel or picking up the phone. So someone that knows what hard work is, that those are very key for me when I'm hiring. And when I've built the sales teams, like have they done door to door? Do they got thick skin? And then are they no stranger to hard work? 
never looked at those two, but those are actually really good key points. <laughs> yeah. I tend to look at people who are kind of outside industry who have the desire to learn and have evidence based on what they've done in their past that brings forth that their desire to learn. So they can actually give me examples of how they did it and why they did it that way. No, oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's also really that's essential. No, but those are really good. So door to door sales. Manual labor. Yeah. Let yes. me know that you're tough. Let me know that you can work. <laughs> that would make me uh, think twice about, I mean, like going to pounding nails for eight hours a day is just really hard. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's super imperative is um, if a sales professional is um, pretty well versed or polished, if they know what their closing ratio is, you know, like. So in, what's in, a closing ratio? Closing ratio would be understanding what are their sales performance activities to get them to get to one sale. Okay, so, so break that down like for the layperson. Okay, so we'll break it down for the layperson. So how many... That'd be me. Okay, so how many... <laughs> so Rick, I know you want to get some new clients in, right? And I know you got existing clients and take really good care of your clients because you get referral and repeat business because you show results. <laughs> I would ask you, you don't have to tell me the, the, the dollar amount, but you make a certain dollar amount a month, sure. correct? Mm -hmm. Now, how many appointments did you need to set to close a deal, right? To create that dollar So it's amount. all the activity that's leading up to a sale. So it's all from new prospects. So every single month, you have to have new people to talk to. Not ones you're following up with. People always get that confused. So you got, you got to have new people coming into the funnel. Then those new people need to be converted into follow-up calls. Then from those follow-up calls, they need, be, need to be converted into appointments. Then from those appointments, they need to be followed up into um, the presentation and then the sale. So you have to know, okay, it's going to take me, I mean, this is an example. So 20, if I talk to 20 new people a day, I'm going to get 10 new appointments. All right. So that's a 50% closing ratio just on the appointments. On those appointments, I might close uh, five deals. So you have to know what your closing ratio is. And it's going to be different from every industry, from a service to a widget. But the point is, the sales manager needs to needs to know what his closing ratio is, his own personal closing ratio is, and he needs to know what each one of his sales team members' closing ratio is. And then when he has an interview, he should he should be probing and, and seeing if that person that he's interviewing knows what their closing ratio is or even what it's about. Because if a person's doing their day-to-day -day sales blindly, that's not a good sign. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to hire a sales professional that wants to make money and knows how to make money. That's going to know how to work their pay plan and know what their closing ratio is. It's important that they figure out how to tweak it to make it more advantageous for them. So they spend less time doing those activities to get better results. When I first started in recruiting, I was told that for every 15 interviews that you get, you'll get an offer. Right. And for every two offers, you get a placement, which I think was bullshit, but I, I bought in. <laughs> but I figured out a way over the years to get it to every four interviews that I set up, I get a placement. That thing in my head that actually got me thinking, okay, I need to figure out how to evolve this to get better at this process where I'm going to be driving more revenue, but I'm doing a better job for my clients. One of the things that I think gives you an indicator that somebody's going to progress in their role. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's like when I'm working with my clients, my sales managers, um, the entrepreneurs or the salespeople, in order for me to help them, in order for them to, to get more results, I need to know what their closing ratio is. And what we'll do is we'll do um, 
like a deep dive of what they and did last quarter. And every person has their own individual amount. And that's the cool thing about it is yeah. that each person has their own closing ratio. And the idea is as a sales manager is to know each closing ratio. Therefore, you can build up. You can create the benchmark. There's nothing more discouraging than when a sales manager or a sales leader comes to uh, comes to a sales meeting with these projections and these. It's like, where do you get these numbers from? Where do you where do you get this projection? Like where? Like from the sky? Like where? so? It's like take That's a, like corporate values. They just oh, I I saw them one day. I just figured I'd use them. Yeah, I mean you got to copy them from my competitor's website. Yeah, I mean <laughs> they have to know like how you know how many leads are actually coming in, yeah. and then based upon each sales guy on their team, like how well are they at capturing those leads by making appointments? And we're in a world of data now. It's really easy to get data. So make sure that you use tools and technology to gather that data so you can use it. All right, quick takeaways. What would be the three things that you would want our audience to walk away with? First big takeaway is that you you really want to key into the why. So you you definitely want to key into the why of um, that way you can effectively sell the objective. And why is there a desire? Yeah. What they want. A desire. Um, Because you can teach a person, you know, how to close. You can teach a person how to handle objections, but you can't teach a person desire. So that's something like a a huge key indicator. Or motivation. Motivation. The other big takeaway is to know your closing ratio and develop it, develop it. So start from somewhere. Even if you never started, even if you never did a closing ratio, um, start now. Start recording all your activities. How many phone calls am I making a day? How many appointments am I doing? What's my follow up? You know, what are my appointments? What yep. you know, follow that. And then the the third huge takeaway it would be definitely to get some to get some outside training. Definitely okay. get some outside training or especially develop a curriculum within within the organization. Especially for the new people you promote, you gotta give them training. <laughs> All right. We are just about out of time for today's show, Anthony. Thanks again for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio Syndicate. Now, what would be the best way in which our community can reach you? They can um, hit me up at hitman at camachocoaching.com. That's hitman at camachocoaching.com. Spell it out if you don't mind. That's H-I-T-M-A-N at C-A-M-A-C-H-O-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We need your feedback to help our game and bring more highly valuable content to you. You can join the Higher Power radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. And by the way, I will be speaking at ERE on April 24th. So come out and say hi. You can follow me on LinkedIn or drop me an email at rick at stridesearch.com to learn more about our Career Wounds Mastery training that we're going to be putting on next month. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be David Ferguson. He's the CEO of Me Solutions or MIE Solutions. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.